Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. In today's episode, Leslie went back to Disneyland, so we talk all about it. Find all episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can subscribe for bonus content at Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, or make a one-time donation, or you can also support the podcast by using me as your travel agent. It's no cost to you, and I can help you do all the hard work, whether you're going to Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise, or Universal. Get started by emailing Joseph Chung at Travelmation. You can also support us by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, which really helps the show. Thanks to TNM Day, N72643, and Milburnick for your recent reviews. Connect with us anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at WWDeciphered on Twitter, or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered, and... 15, 14 months later, Leslie, how long has it been exactly? Disneyland is open and our very own Leslie from Trips with Tykes was there on opening day. It wasn't how, quite 14, 14 months, Joe, but it was close. How many months was it? Yes. I don't, <laughs> it I was don't like know. 13 and, yeah, change. 13 and three quarters, something like that. Way too long. Time has no meaning as we have established. But uh, yes, Leslie, you got back. We're going to talk about that all today. But first off the bat, you know, how did it feel to be back at Disneyland for the first time in forever? Sorry. It felt. Was not on, <laughs> no pun intended. Would, Just hate myself for saying that, but go ahead. Sorry. I know. I know. It was, it was fantastic to be back. It felt wonderful. I am not a super, super emotional person, but I did tear up um, walking down Main Street, which was just lined with cast members, just seeing the, the relief of being back was just overwhelming. I mean, California has been through so, so much. And I don't know if people who live outside of the state necessarily get our perspective here in California. I mean, I know every state sort of had its own pandemic experience. I mean, New York certainly had the experience of getting hit so hard in the sort of scary early months. And then we had this just really oppressive and and discouraging lockdown in California and still had terrible COVID cases in the winter. So it felt like we were just really coming out of that in a triumphant way as a state. And so it was a, a celebratory trip. And of course, you know, I was fully vaccinated, so it felt safe. So it was great. Yeah, super excited that you got to go back there. I will not tell Melissa Villasenor that you teared up going into Disneyland. She had a pretty funny take on all the people crying uh, when they got to Disneyland, which I think she got some <laughs> flack for it. But she's actually a huge Disneyland fan, which uh, as a Melissa Villasenor fan, I knew that before she even released that thing. But uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can uh, go check that out. Before we talk about your trip, Leslie, we have a bunch of patron shout outs to do. A couple people signed up for our Patreon last month, so we want to say thank you so much for signing up you can check us out on patreon.com slash disney deciphered if you'd like to sign up and receive some bonus content so monique e kelly s jeremy s and michael s thank you so much for subscribing we really appreciate it thank you so much to all of our new supporters and our longtime supporters it's really just great to be back and really in in person and being able to feed new content to to everybody it's great Agreed. Agreed. So we're going to run this more like a traditional trip report. I know that we're generally focused on the East Coast, but obviously Disneyland is such a big part of the Disney family and it's reopened. And, you know, Disneyland is so important to you, Leslie. So super excited to hear about your experience. Now, let's get started. The night before you got in and you uh, went on a little bit of a bus tour or just tour in general around Disneyland. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, what you did that night before opening day at Disneyland. 
It was more than actually a night. It was a full day, Joe. So I flew in early in the morning on Thursday, the 29th, and did a 10-stop hotel tour that was organized by Getaway Today. They're an authorized ticket broker and travel agency that I work with, and they are a mom and pop business themselves and have had longtime relationships with the many mom and pop hotels in the area that have just been devastated by the pandemic and just wanted a chance for some of us who work with them to see new properties and to talk to the owners and to understand what this meant to them and hopefully discover some new places that we would want to stay and recommend to people who read our blogs or listen to our podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. So it was lovely of them to do that. And they, full disclosure, they also, some of the hotels on the tour hosted those of us who were on the tour. I was hosted by uh, the Radisson Blue, which was one of the Getaway Today hotel partners. So always want to disclose that. But yeah, I just got to see a lot of different hotels. Was really surprised by some that I just didn't ever visit on my own before and had no idea that they had a really cool family suite that I, you know, would have loved to have stayed in myself or no idea that, you know, a certain hotel had free parking or free breakfast because there's so many of them within easy, close walking distance. And yeah, it was just lovely. I was glad to get to highlight some of the properties. Go check out my Instagram stories because it's way too many hotels for me to talk about here in our 15-minute podcast, but I have at least a a story or two about each hotel with some of the rooms that are available, and and I'm going to be updating my walking distance Disneyland hotel guide very soon. So a lot of work coming out of that, but glorious work, and it was so great to talk to the owners. I I have to highlight um, the owner of the Castle Inn and Suites who runs this very lovely family business, and he was just the most optimistic guy after having been shut down for 14 months and ready to come back in just a major way and touch my heart and totally made me want to go stay in his hotel on my next trip. Yeah. And you had also mentioned that the uh, residence in kind of caught your eye. Is that another one of the hotels that you feel like you might have overlooked in the past, but getting to check it out, it's on your list now? Absolutely. I mean, I'm a Marriott girl and I've stayed in a lot of residence inns and I have never seen one this nice. And it just kind of blew me away. And it was a, it's a convention center hotel, which I usually sort of discount as being like a little too far away, but it's kind of on the closer end of the convention center to Disneyland. So it's still very walkable, had an awesome, awesome family suite. You can get a a peek of that in my stories. So definitely on my list as well. Yeah, that reminds me of the Hyatt Place Lake Buena Vista in uh, Orlando, which uh, has bunk beds as well. Even these lower tier properties in these hotel chains, I guess, uh, roll out the red carpet for Disney World and families. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think they know that they're competing with some of the on-property hotels that maybe have some theming or something special, and they up their game when they're located right near a theme park. And that's really the case. And and there's you know plenty of properties that's been the story for. I've stayed many times in the courtyard right across the street from Disneyland, and people are like, eh, courtyard. And I was like, this one has a, a water park, a full water park. Have you ever stayed at another at another courtyard with a water park? No. So these hotels don't just look at the branding and, and sort of think that you know what you're going to get because it's not true at Disneyland. All right. So you got to check out all these hotels. You were staying at the Radisson Blue thanks to Getaway Today. But just so everyone knows, you bought your own tickets for Disneyland. And so what kind of tickets did you have? Did you have two-day park hopper tickets? I had a three-day park hopper just because that was what I was able to to rustle up from a friend who wasn't using it. So I have one day that I'm not going to use floating out there in the ether, but but it was uh it was a park hopper which was important because I did want to go back and forth and see how that worked. Is Disneyland like Disney World that day is floating in the ether and gone? Yes. 13 days after first use it's gone. <laughs> 
That's too bad. That's too bad. But yeah. tell us about opening day and the security procedures. Did you rope drop? You know, what was that all like on opening day? And was there, I'm guessing there was a different buzz than there might be on a normal rope drop. Very much a different buzz and people got there earlier than I think will be the case going forward and certainly earlier than was the case even on day two. So I was with my Disneyland with Kids Facebook group partners. There are four of us. Another one of them, Julie Big Boy from Mommy Written, is a California resident. The other two are not California residents, but they came for the hotel tour and uh, just to sort of see what was going on all over the resort. So Julie and I lined up with the other two just there for moral support <laughs> to get through security. And I think the first person got in line about 7.20 for a 9 a.m park opening. So quite a ways in advance and the line was already getting pretty long, but we had a pretty decent position and we lined up on the Harbor Boulevard side, which is the the walking distance hotel side, I would say, not the, the side that people parking in Mickey and Friends will come through. So I think that was that was nice and you know, I didn't get to see the other side obviously, but the crowds were not terrible. It was very well spaced, it was very organized. Disney had all the corrals to sort of stretch people out and people kept their distance and Disney opened the security not long after eight o'clock and it was fast. We had the temperature checks. We did not have the touchless <laughs> bag situation going on. We still had to put our bags down and have them inspected, but maybe that'll change. And it's been 13 months. Come on. I they, know, they should have them I in know. there. I know. I don't know what the deal is. But anyway, it wasn't bad and got through it very quickly and queued up at the gates on either side of the Esplanade, depending upon which park people were going into. I, of course, queued up for Disneyland and did the old look for, there's tree, like planters. If you look for where the planters are blocking people's views, there's shorter lines behind them. So, you know, the old tricks still work. A couple of the old tricks still work. So got lined up and then it was not long after that they just opened the the gates and started letting people in. I think it was about 820. They started letting guests into the park. Nice. And then aside from all the crying, was anything different on Main Street? Do they have, I know when Disney World reopened, there was a lot of extra cast members like lining the streets and saying hello. What was that like going down Main Street for the first time? Yes. So they had the same a line of cast members of all different types, you know, in different uniforms. The Main Street vehicles were going. I actually was following a large bus. So I felt like I was kind of part of the parade, which was really lovely. And the cast members were cheering and everybody who was coming in was cheering. It was just a great, a great scene to be a part of and was glad to get to witness that. That's really awesome. So where did you uh, head first when you got into the park? So we headed first for Snow White's Enchanted Wish, which is a not fully a new attraction. It's a, a redone version of Snow White's Scary Adventures. And we just wanted to see what that was like. We went underneath the castle because it's in Fantasyland thinking, okay, we're going to get in the queue there. And then, of course, realized that the queue came out and down through sort of the side exit of the castle into what's uh, Princess uh, Fantasy Fair, the Royal Hall area, and sort of stretched there. So that's a good tip that people need to be aware of is that the end of the queue is not necessarily where the queue, you know, you would expect it to be. So we didn't even have to go through the castle. We could have turned left before the castle and gotten straight into the queue, but the queue was not bad. We waited, I think, 16 minutes. I have to check my stories. 18 minutes. It was not bad. It was not bad at all. And we're able to ride the attraction. 
Did you get slowed down because you were, like, taking pictures on Main Street and things like that? Because, I mean, it seems like you got in pretty early. Yeah, we were enough ahead of the bulk of the crowd that we weren't worried about losing too much of, like, the pole position. Because so many people just wanted to be there to experience what was going on on Main Street that, like, we knew there were some people who were racing straight to the attraction, but we weren't worried about waiting an extra 10 minutes or something as a result. So we did get slowed down a little bit, but it wasn't, wasn't the end of the world. And given the day's events... And then in general, you know, what was your experience on the rides at Disneyland? You know, how were queues? Did things feel busy? Did the rides have plexiglass? You know, what was your impressions of, you know, I know we can't go through every single ride, but in general, you know, how did Disneyland and the attractions themselves feel? Were you able to put Julie through the Force March of Happiness? Yes, Julie and I had a great time on the Force March of Happiness, and it was actually really glorious. I mean, the queues were very short. The the capacity of the park was not 25%. It was much, much lower, and... There were times that I was walking around at certain walkways, like I was walking between the Matterhorn and the castle, and I looked up and there was not another human being within eyesight of me, which is crazy. So it was really empty at different points in time. I waited four minutes for Peter Pan. Anybody who knows Peter Pan at Disneyland knows <laughs> that that will never, ever happen again. And that, was, that wasn't even my first ride. That was my second ride after I did Snow White. So it was really glorious. We did three rides before official park opening time, really got to hit, you know, during the day most of the things in Fantasyland got in space got in thunder we'll talk about what you know park hopping later in the day but got to ride a ton the queues were amazing and and well well distanced one thing that people need to be aware of for Disneyland is that all of the queuing is happening outside and that's because of state regulations so any of the rides that have a significant indoor portion like say pirates they do all of the queuing outside and then they wait till there's only maybe a couple of people actively getting on the boats till they send you in. So you don't get a lot of AC time. <laughs> so it was 91 degrees when I was there. So I had to be really careful. I actually got a little lightheaded early in the morning. I was realizing I was overheating and had to slow it down and take a, a water and a mask break. But something to definitely keep in mind as we go into the summer months. And you had predicted that even though Disneyland would be able to technically open at 25%, they would not on opening day just to make things look better. I know it's only been a couple of days since opening day, but does it seem like from what you have seen that Disney has increased the number of people they're letting in? Or do you think they'll maybe go like a week or two with like lower levels and then slowly work their way towards that 25%? I think it's going to be a gradual increase to 25%. I mean, day two felt a little more crowded, but it still doesn't feel anywhere close to 25%. And and this is more than just them, you know, wanting it to look good. It's also about getting their operations right. And there were some hiccups with, with sort of mobile ordering, backing up at some of the restaurants. So they want to get that right before they add more people to the park. So I, I think it's going to be this gradual process and I suspect we'll see some more reservations get dropped sometime in May onto the calendar. And that's going to be once Disney is convinced they have sort of gotten the operations into the right equilibriums. I think some industry insiders were estimating it was like 10 to 15%. And I, that seems a little low to me. 10% seems a little low to me at least. But it wouldn't surprise me it was if it was like 15 or 18%. That seems somewhat reasonable. And before we park hop over to California Adventure, we forgot to mention that early in the morning, you tested out the new for Disneyland Rise of the Resistance queue and boarding group situation. So how did that all go for you? 
Super, super smooth. Uh, Julie and I both tried from our own hotel rooms. We were in different hotels and she beat me. It worked really, really well. It was so fast. It was amazing to see how it worked. And everybody I know of who was trying for a boarding group position got one at the 7 a.m. drop while we were at our hotel. So I don't know if that's just because capacity is so low right now or, you know, interest in the ride. A lot of the people who were there, of course, are people who have been on the ride many times, the the Disneyland faithful. But yeah, it was it was good. And then I did get a chance actually on the second day to try it at the noon drop, which um, I got a backup boarding group that was eventually called. I was long gone for the day, but that was good to see how that worked at, at the noon time as well. And it did it did work. And it was encouraging to see that even the backup boarding groups on day two were called. And so Disneyland is 7 a.m. and noon as opposed to Disney World, which is 7 a.m. and 1 p.m.? Yes. And at Disneyland, the difference is if you're park hopping, you're eligible. So even if you start in California Adventure in the morning, as long as you've checked into the park, you're eligible and you have a park hopper ticket, you're eligible to try at that 12 p.m. drop and then you can hop over at 1 and ride the attraction. Got it. That's good to know. So you park hopped over to Disney California Adventure. What was that experience like? Was it pretty much like normal? Anything to report there? And then what was California Adventure like? Well, I think a lot of people were worried, you know, is there going to be capacity for park hopping? Because there's always that asterisk, you know, subject to capacity. And there was more than enough capacity for park hopping. I mean, certainly from Disneyland to DCA. But I know a lot of people were kind of worried, you know, if I leave Disneyland and go to California Adventure, can I get back into Disneyland? And and the answer is absolutely, at least right now, absolutely, absolutely yes. And so I went over to DCA. A lot of the crowds had already left. That We went over about right about three o'clock. So a lot of the crowds had already left to come to Disneyland who were eligible. And I almost essentially right walked right on to Soren around the world, which is one of the longest lines in DCA. My jaw just kind of dropped. I could not believe in the middle of the afternoon that the line was that short. And it hasn't been quite that short every ever since. So I, I guess I got a little bit lucky. So I was able to ride three attractions in DCA, hit Incredicoaster, and Toy Story Midway Mania was the worst line of the day. For whatever reason, that queue moves incredibly slowly. And it, it it's not obvious to me that they're loading, you know, they're loading kind of every other vehicle or every other side, but it doesn't, it didn't have as reduced capacity as some of the other things that I saw. So it just didn't make sense to me that that one was kind of the sticking point, but at least for, for my day it was so, and it looked that way on day two as well. So beware. And I guess if you're used to being able to ride it at Disney world, maybe that's the one to skip. Got it. So you ended up going back to Disneyland. What was the thinking behind that? Oh, I guess I'm, it must be because uh, you weren't going to be able to get back to Disneyland the next day. Yeah, so I wanted to sort of, and I also wanted to see what park closing was like and how quickly people left Disneyland and all of that. And there were a few more attractions I had not gotten to. I had not yet gotten to Haunted Mansion, which had some tweaks that had been done to it and it had been a long line all day long. So got to ride a few more attractions in Disneyland and, and get to see what everything was going on. And I had mobile ordered a Dole Whip earlier in the day that was going to be waiting for me at park close. So I wanted to be sure to get the Dole Whip. So I had to go back for it, Jay. That makes sense. That makes sense. So how did you close things out at Disneyland? And what is the closing time? So the closing time right now is 7pm. And that's only for these first two weeks. I think on May 14th, the closing time goes up to 9pm. It was too early. It wasn't even dark yet. Nobody was ready to leave. I mean, I'd already gotten in 23,000 steps and I still had some juice left in me, even as tired as I had been doing a full day of hotel tour the day before. But it was too early. I I get why Disney has to do it, but it was not what 
Californians are used to <laughs> at all. We're used to like hanging in till midnight at Disneyland. And I, I did go to pick up my Dole Whip at Tropical Hideaway. Um, I mobile ordered it and I, you know, got there and realized that there was a queue for picking up mobile order that was 50 people long. I've never seen a queue for mobile order that was like that. I mean, they just, they just got behind. They fell behind on fulfilling orders at the time that people had placed them. And, you know, it moved pretty fast, but it took me about 15 minutes to get, you know, a single Dole Whip, which was too much. Again, it was the end of the day, so I wasn't missing rides. I mean, it, the park closed and the rides were closed at that point, And I was able to still sit down and enjoy it. And the park was still packed. I mean, nobody was ready to leave at 7 p.m., Everybody sort of started flooding towards Main Street and shopping. And the queues for the stores, which of course have incredibly reduced capacity, were unbelievable. The line for the Emporium, which is the main store on Main Street right by Town Square, like near the train station, reached all the way back to Jolly Holiday, which I know you don't know these these names, Joe, but this is essentially right at the hub. So the line for for the store was as long as Main Street USA was. It was too long. I bailed. I did not shop that night, but people did not want to leave. And we finally left about 7 p.m. and Main Street was jam-packed. I mean, it, it didn't feel unsafe, but it was the kind of picture that, you know, somebody would take and say, look at Disneyland. This is dangerous. This is, un, you know, this is, look how crowded it is. It wasn't crowded. It just was everybody who was left in the park was right there on, on Main Street. That's the way it was. I think, I think it'll be better once the parks close at nine. People will kind of space out their shopping a little bit more. And it feels like, you know, you're running to similar capacity issues with dining and things like that. Besides the long Dole Whip mobile order, you were talking to me about how overall it was an issue kind of over your whole trip. Dining was one of the few issues with reopening. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, this is a problem that's not, you know, Disney's fault. Some of this is imposed by the state regulations. And so right now, there are only two table service restaurants open in each park. I was lucky enough to make a reservation for lunch at Disneyland my first day. And that sort of allowed me to dodge a lot of the dining issues, just having a reservation and just going and sitting down and and, and having a place to, to rest and having food brought to me. So that was great. But yeah, mobile ordering did back up. You know, the same thing at Disney World when you went, when it was busy, people placed their, their dining orders early. And then if you if you start getting hungry about noon, you look at your app and you're like, oh gosh, you know, there aren't any return times until 145 and I'm hungry right now. So that's something to keep in mind. You really do have to place that mobile order early, especially for certain restaurants. I mean, Tropical Hideaway was sold out for the day. I was glad I placed that Dole Whip order in early, the early afternoon because I wouldn't have gotten it later. And uh, so you really have to watch for that. But And, and the dining offerings are slim, like menus are reduced. So you just don't have a lot of choices. So even if, you know, there's a restaurant available, it might only have three things in the menu. And if you've got kids, maybe they don't like those three things. I mean that, you know, it's entirely possible. So you really do have to plan ahead. And we had this even more the second day in California Adventure when we wanted some breakfast. There was just nothing but a churro. There was nothing. So (laughs) I had a churro for breakfast. I mean, I'm usually really happy to have a churro, but it was a little much at, you know, 1030 in the morning after I'd just been on Radiator Springs Racers. It was a little much. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. Yeah, let's close things up. You know, you spent a half day at California Adventure before you had to catch a flight home. Tell us a little bit about your California Adventure rope drop experience. I assume you saved Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout for this day where you had the half day uh, completely at California Adventure. 
I didn't write it, Joe. I'm sorry. Oh my <laughs> I, gosh. I know. Well, you know, I've been on it so many times. Um, oh, just, don't, don't I know. I know. I know. <sighs> well, and Julie, Julie, Julie's not a fan of it. So I didn't make her do okay. that much of the force march of happiness we did you do in credit coaster instead so yeah you can't force <laughs> you can't force your wing person to you know go with you on a ride they don't like so i get it that's right that's right and we did radiator springs racers that morning which was fantastic and got to do a couple of other little ones that i like i never do monsters inc i got to do that again which was cute and got to go to philhar magic this is a tip i need to share because we walked by the Philhar Magic Theater. Oh, that's got to be closed. It's an indoor attraction. And there were cast members outside, like, saying to people, come on in, come on in, we're open. And everybody's jaw kind of dropped, like, how is this open? And I guess because it qualifies as a movie theater, and it's giant, and it's, you know, there's tons of, there were 10 people in a movie theater that seats 300 or something like that. And so it's a great place to take uh, an air conditioning break. So that was a great find. I'm going to file that away from taking my own kids. It, it you know, I don't do a lot of things indoors, but this is a movie theater where everybody keeps their mask on. So it felt very, very safe and very, very spaced. So just a little tip there. But yeah, it was a great day. We mostly just kind of walked around and looked at the crowds and looked at all the characters. They have the same distanced character meet and greets, a lot of them, a lot of really unique ones. So got to see a lot of those. No cavalcades at Disneyland, at least not yet. Is it because there's no room? Yeah, I suspect it is. I think they're trying to figure it out, but they're also trying to increase capacity. So it's a delicate balance. So it's going to be I don't a motorcycle cavalcade, so it doesn't take yeah. as much space <laughs> in the walkway. Yes, I mean, there's some places they could do it. They're just going to have to be careful about it. The characters more than made up for it. There were some really great character sightings. I saw Miguel in Frontierland. Usually he's a puppet, like when you see him at certain events. But this was like a, like a, you know, somebody was in the suit. So it was cool to see. It looked like a kid in the suit. It was, he was very short. So <laughs> I, I, we were both, Julie and I were very perplexed. We were sitting at River Bell Terrace in New Orleans Square and saw him walking. And we were like, what's going on? <laughs> but that was a cool little thing to witness, seeing a couple of characters you've never seen before. That's awesome. And so before we get your final thoughts, I think one thing we are worried about is the cues and how they would be spilling out into the lands themselves. And what I didn't know before you went was that like everything was going to be outside. So in general, you know, did it feel like the walkways were crowded because of the way the cues were? Or how did that feel overall? Generally, it worked really well for most attractions, like the way they had Snow White's Enchanted Wish snaking really didn't make things too backed up. I mean, they had a couple places where they had to let a walkway go through the queue, but they had cast members sort of stopping people at the right point so that the, the traffic continued to flow. But the one place I would say that you really felt it was in New Orleans Square because the Pirates queue had to spill out onto the terraces. And that is already a, a place that's a choke point. So that was the place where, where it felt, it didn't felt, feel too crowded, but it felt already full at this capacity. So when they increase capacity, it's going to feel too full unless they can find some way to, to modify it, at least as, as far as I saw. The Indiana Jones queue is also really, really long, but they smartly were able to use the closed Jungle Cruise second level for that queue, which was awesome. Like we we walked by and we saw like, why are there people in the Jungle Cruise queue and realized that was where they were queuing Indiana Jones. So that really gets people off of Adventureland, which would otherwise be a choke point. So for the most part, I thought it was very, very well done. 
Disney World uses things like restaurants that aren't open and attractions like Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor that aren't open. So I'm very curious how Disneyland is going to be creative. You know, are they going to open up backstage or whatever? But it'll be interesting to see how those queues evolve. All right. So final thoughts back at Disneyland. Disneyland is reopened. How do you feel overall? I feel like this is a softball question, but I already said it. So go ahead. I felt great about it. I mean, it was lovely to see this low capacity. I know it's not going to last, but I think it'll last for a while. If folks who are going in May and I'm going in mid-June with my kids, really excited. A lot of the the attractions my kids will want to go on anyway have the shortest wait times because they aren't really affected by distancing. Like Peter Pan, you're still filling every ship <laughs> because you don't need to leave spacing between them. The spacing's already there. So it keeps the, the lines shorter for a lot of the things my kids want to do anyway. So I think it's actually a great time to take kids and excited about that. So I felt, I felt great about it. I'm glad to be back. Cast members got to talk to a lot of them and it was just so heartwarming. I mean, everybody was genuinely excited to be back and to see the love. I got to talk to a chef for, I, I never got the full story about what his position was, but he was essentially the chef for all of Main Street and a big section of, of Disneyland Park, the the head chef. And he clearly just loved seeing little kids back in the park. I mean, it made him tear up. I mean, it's something that was his life's work and, and he did it for that sort of return. And it was great to, to talk to so many cast members and see that. I'm glad you have been there. It was a little bit of a, a moment in uh, Disney history. Yeah, super excited that you got the chance to get back there. I have a Disney do, and that is if you are a California resident, I think you should go to Disneyland now before they open it up to non-residents. Just as we saw with Disney World last year, your experience is going to be so much better in this first month or two. And, you know, we are in a much different place in the pandemic than we were last year when Disney World opened. So public health is better and the lines are low. If you're a California resident, now's the time to go before people like me can get over there. Leslie, do you have a Disneyland do or don't uh, for the reopening? Well, this sounds a little bit mundane, I guess, after your, you know, do go to Disneyland. But do have a plan for food. I would say be sure to eat breakfast before you go to the parks because you're not going to be able to find it. If you have kids, please, please pack snacks. You're going to need them. The food carts aren't all open or right there when you have a hangry child. So the food is the only sort of weak spot right now. I suspect that will get drastically better even in just several weeks. I mean, certainly by the time the schools get out for the year and the crowds start coming back, but you've got to kind of work around it right now and, and pack your patience in that regard. All right. Great tip. Well, thank you for sharing your Disneyland reopening experience. It's just super great to hear you back in the parks. If any of you listening is California based and have been back to Disneyland, we'd love to hear your experiences. You can email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at WWDeciphered on Twitter, or hit us up on our Facebook page, DisneyDeciphered. Thank you everyone for listening and for following along with the trip. Other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and I will see you back at Disneyland in June but I won't actually be there, but, you know, virtually. Thanks, Joe.